This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tecova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovas.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. You're listening to the Fish Untamed Podcast, your home for fly fishing the backcountry. This is episode 121 with Andrew Todd on running, fishing, and drinking beer. Um, well, normally I crack these on on the show, but I see you okay, can you crack help yours. yourself. So I'll crack mine, and you can Thanks. crack yours when you open your next one. Okay. Cheers. Cheers. Thanks for driving yeah, over it's today. Good to see you. Um, well, I think you were the very first guest on the podcast back. Episode I believe one. so, uh, like a couple of years ago, right? Three years almost. I should know when I started it. I want to say 2019, but <laughs> I could be way off, so uh, I'm not sure. But. Yeah, you were in episode one, and now I think we're on about 120. So awesome. it's come a long way. Um, what have What have you been up to? I think I've heard you on a couple other podcasts. Have you done any other shows since um, then? Yeah, I was on the uh, what is it called? The you were on it recently. Wet fly swing. Wet fly swing. That that's hard for me to <laughs> say and remember, but I'm almost 50, so give me some some uh, uh, grace there. But uh, yeah, I've been on that one. There was an article in Outside uh, Online, I think, about weird weird ways that people pair running with things, mm-hmm. and so that was kind of fun. Uh, but but this last year, kind of just you know, just doing events and staying at, staying out of the media. That's what my uh, my dad's grandfather always told him to just keep his damn <laughs> mouth shut. So well, here I am. Uh, so let's try not to embarrass myself. I'm sure you'll be fine. Um, well, just. For anyone who hasn't heard the the first episode, and I feel like at this point I've talked about the flyathlon a lot on the show, but give give the you know thirty second elevator pitch of what the flyathlon is and maybe like you know how it came to be. How how did you pair these different parts of your life to, to sure. form this event? 
Yeah, it. I mean, it started with uh, just three different things that I I enjoyed doing out in the woods in in drinking beer, trail running, and fly fishing, and I started putting them together back when I worked for the U.S. Geological Survey. I would find myself in cool places and would just pair these things, and then was out on a run with a friend who said he also paired those things, and we decided to or that inspired me to start putting on races. And the first one I think was in 2013 and it was unofficial, um, and up, up in grand County. And after that, I realized, uh, that was like 10 friends and family and then realized we could probably do something with this and do something for, for good, uh, with this. And so that's when we started raising money with the first one, which uh, was not in grand County. It was in, um, Swatch County. So that, that's the middle Creek race. And that will be, we'll be doing that uh, for the 10th time this coming summer. So it's the 10th annual already, which is wild to think about. Um, but yeah, it was, it, it was really just born out of things I like to do, but over time it's really evolved into so much more than that. Um, that with this fundraising from this last summer, which was over 140,000 between the four races that we put on, as well as the Trout Man series, we raised some some money through that as well. But over 140 grand that we're putting towards projects, and over 650 grand now in the life of of, of the flyathlon. So we're we're starting to have a real impact for these native fish, and that that's what it's kind of morphed into. To the point where we're now trying to figure out how to meet the demand uh, with the you know the the limited time that I have to devote to it as a as an all volunteer uh, board, we we got to figure out how to make that happen. And we've actually this year I, I'm no longer the president of Running Rivers, which is the organ the nonprofit we set up to house the flyathlon. Uh, I'm now the executive direct, part-time executive director. So I'm taking every Friday, compressing my regular job schedule to the four days and then working on this exclusively on Fridays. And that's to meet a demand for events in new places, as well as some of the the conservation work itself and trying to take some of that, that on as an organization instead of just raising all this money to give it away. We want to we want to do some of it ourselves into the future. And so we're going to do a pilot, uh, you know, part-time executive director thing, see how that goes. And then in this year, try to identify resources to make that full-time for someone, whether that's me or someone else, we'll, we'll see. But um, that's the goal is to, to really meet the demand. And by demand, we're seeing it, we're seeing interest around the U.S. Um, I've, I've, had people reach out from Vermont, from California, from the Pacific Northwest, from Wyoming. So all over people are reaching out and saying, can you bring this here? And the answer is not like, not really, unless I figure out how we can increase bandwidth. And part of that will rely on those, those people taking a leading role and developing them in those places, but they still need guidance on what a flyathlon is. Um, so yeah, it's, it, it's really grown outside of what I <laughs> anticipated it would be. And what? how realistic do you think it is that more and more of these are going to start popping up? Like as you find people who do know what they're doing and can start one, like is it, is, is there any sort of 
timeline vision of of when these things might start to take place? Well, so uh, it, it depends. So we've we've been working with um, we we've been working on developing sort of a partnership agreement that we would we would present to those folks to just lay out like we're we're not trying to make a billion dollars off these things, but we want to we want to preserve the what is a flyathlon and why are people, I, I don't want people just using that name to throw parties in the woods that aren't for conservation or put people in, <laughs> in a risky position. So we, we want, we've worked towards establishing a structure that we can share that gives them all the things that we've learned. Cause they're, we've fucked up a lot of things over the years. And, and so if we can share that with folks to maximize the potential of them being successful and it turning into something for the benefit of their own backyard and the species in their own backyard, that benefits all of us. Um, and so I think that's the, the real trick is figuring out how to roll all that out, package all that up, um, such that when, when someone does reach out, we still want to vet them. Uh, and, and we've had in the past, we've encouraged people to come to one of our races in Colorado to see what it's really about before deciding whether they've got their own bandwidth mm -hmm. to set it up and, and carry it through. But, um, yeah, I, I think that's a big part of it is, is educating people on what's involved. I think it can be successful anywhere and it's, it's popped up. That's the other piece we need to get it. <laughs> we need to get in control of it while there's interest. Otherwise people, if we aren't there to help them meet their interest and guide where it goes, they'll take the idea and run with it in a new direction. And we've had events pop up uh, this past year in uh, Australia. There was an event in uh, Flyathlon called the High Country Flyathlon that was put on in, I think it was in November. And then there was one earlier in the spring in Africa, in Lesotho, which I had to look up where Lesotho, it's, it's spelled Lesotho, yeah. but I, I, <laughs> I uh, Lesotho is an inholding in South Africa and they... These guys read about it on, or heard about it some somewhere, and decided to do it for the benefit of a rebuilding a bridge between a tribal village and the elementary school. And so, I didn't want to tell them no because that's such an Screw awesome. Screw the kids. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I'm not a monster, but at the same time, I don't want to lose control of what it is. Right. And I think there's strength in numbers if we've got a consistent product that's doing the same things in different places. We can then go out and reach out to companies who are going to want to get on board because it's got a broader impact, both in terms of numbers and geography. So that's, that's the desire between or, or around getting, uh, uh, getting a consistent platform out there. Um, so yeah, I think we can grow and grow rapidly, but, um, want to do it in control. I think it's got to also be hard because every state, I'm sure every state government or state, you know, parks and wildlife, whatever the, the CPW equivalent is, is going to be different and work with people differently. Sure. And, you know, if they're working for native species in their state that are managed a different way, you can give them the resources to plan the party part. That's not right. too hard to recreate anywhere, but um, getting the money where it needs to go and making sure it's used properly and all the legalities of being on public ground, like that stuff is all going to be different based on where you are and what you're trying to do. So For, for sure. And the, the good thing we have going for us is that in, uh, in, on the permitting side of things, we can use the contacts that and, and the good cred we've developed in the 10 years we've been holding Sawatch or the eight years we've been 
holding the uh, um, Lake Fork race. Uh, Lake Fork race is BLM and National Park Service. Um, so watch is the Forest Service. And so if, if those entities are involved in permitting elsewhere, we can say, hey, here's a contact you can uh, reach out to so you know we're not like trashing the forest and walking away. We're, we're in it. Uh, the, the other good thing that has a way of, of convincing permitting entities that, that this is an okay idea is that we are then turning around and reinvesting in the resource, whether that's through trail projects or primarily fisheries projects that we're giving money back to those same agencies to do the work or, or, or to leverage to do the work that they want to do for native fish. So um, money has a way of, when you're reinvesting, uh, convincing people that this is an okay thing. Right. Um, what what projects are currently ongoing? Uh, I, I don't know... I don't know much about outside of Colorado. Like I've never been to those races or anything, but um, you know, Colorado or any other states, what are the current projects that are being funded? Sure. So uh, this last year, we had a number of projects that were on tap for uh, Rio Grande cutthroat trout, but uh, the biggest one being the second phase of the Sand Creek reclamation project. Uh, I think it's now two or three years ago. We did phase one, which was the lakes at the top and and now this would take it, uh, take the reclamation all the way down to the sand. But this is Great Sand Dunes, Great right? Sand okay. Dunes. It's the northern drainage of Great Sand Dunes. And because they had such heavy uh, runoff, it became not realistic to do this year. So it's been kicked to next year. And I think that's the second year, actually, it's been put off, which um, we're excited to get it on the calendar for 2024. The big, biggest project that we were a part of this year was the Clear Fork of East Muddy Creek, which is in the headwaters of the Gunnison. And that's, I want to say, 14-ish miles of awesome habitat that has some uh, Colorado River cutthroat trout in it and tributaries of it, but brook trout have invaded the main stem and uh, we're, we're sort of spreading upstream. So... That with these projects in the interior west, the big big issue is um, you have to isolate these native fish from the non-natives, including brook trout, brown trout, and rainbow trout primarily, because they don't compete well with brook and brown trout, hybridized with rainbow trout. So you have to isolate them. And in some places you have natural barriers like a waterfall that you can just, you know, then reclaim. Of, and by reclaim, that means take out all the fish <laughs> up above, which is a often contentious thing to do. But um, other places you have to actually build a barrier. So you're, uh, it, it's like a, you know, like a small, um, a small dam uh, for lack of a better terms, but that prevents that, that up, upstream migration of those non-natives once you knock out all the non-natives above so they don't reinvade it. And so this was a barrier project on the Clear Fork of East Muddy Creek that we kicked in, I want to say, thirty dollars or $40,000. It ended up being a $600,000 project. But the good thing about our money is it can be used as a match. Oftentimes, these bigger grants will require a match. And because our, the money we raise in our races is crowdfunded, it doesn't have the same strings attached we can use it as that match or allow the agencies to use it as a match to get much more money. 
So um, our 40,000 was leveraged with a number. This was a huge collaboration, but um, a, a, a great project. And so now that phase two of that project will be in the coming years, they'll, they'll reclaim the watershed upstream and then reintroduce the Colorado River cutthroat trout up in that watershed. So that was a cool project. Um, yeah, I'd, I'd say that was the biggest one this year. We've got a lot of money still from past years, and that's part of the problem with uh, inflation is that the cost of these materials in concrete and rebar have gone through the roof to do these projects. And so while our money is still sitting there waiting, that finding the remaining money has been a challenge because the cost has gone up in recent years. So we've got a number of projects that are on the shelf just waiting for, for the other money to come in, <laughs> which is a little frustrating because you, our, our races, we're asking people to crowdfund for this. And so then we, we want to be accountable for that and say, here's what your money went to this year. And, and when a project sits on the, on the shelf, it's harder to demonstrate that. But uh, the work will get done and there's plenty of need for it because I know you know, but uh, these native fish are in fractions of their historic watershed and with climate change, it's really, um, you know, it's imperative that we get them in key watersheds such that they can weather dry times or, or really hot times. So, How much say do you have over where the money goes? Like, do you, can you, because you've come up with this money and are donating it, are you allowed to say, hey, we want to focus on like this stream or this species in particular, and it's not earmarked for anything else. Like you use it on this, or is it like you kind of got to go with what other people are working on at the moment and kind of build on existing projects and just be glad that someone's willing to like help a native species somewhere. A little bit of both. Uh, so the biologists with the state agencies and federal agencies, they usually have done the groundwork to know what watersheds are going to be most successful. We, we did back when I worked for the U.S. Geological Survey, we did some of the groundwork in like the Sand Creek watershed to demonstrate temperatures are cool enough that even if it warms up a lot, it's still going to be cold enough for trout. Work like that, that groundwork sort of seems it needs to happen before uh, you go in and spend the money to <laughs> to reclaim or, or, to, uh, or to put in a barrier to protect that population. Um, one good example of where we're, we're kind of driving the bus is in the Jim Creek watershed, which is down in the San Luis Valley, uh, up above Lajara Reservoir, and it was a it's a creek that was overgrazed, and so it's you know thirty feet wide and two inches deep, and so between Trout Unlimited, who who was leading it, uh, and that's part of the problem too with being a part time executive director, previously all volunteer organization, is you don't have enough time to focus on all that stuff too. So this was a partnership with Kevin Terry, who's on our board, but works for Trout Unlimited to try to narrow that stream, uh, revegetate the banks so it stays within that new new uh, stream course that it was put in, and then to start to knock out some of the brook trout that are in there. Um, and that's that's been a project that has been pretty grassroots without a whole lot of involvement from the other entities like Colorado Parks and Wildlife and and but I think they're seeing the impact that it's having and then Kevin and I have a bigger vision for that watershed as a whole that we'd like to see turn into a like a really big meta population project like like the sand dunes project so 
so it's a little bit of both um, in terms of where we're, we're spending, the, spending the money that's raised. But the, these biologists are the experts on where, where, this, where are the best opportunities. And so a lot of it is relationships I've built professionally and trusting these people that they know what's in the best interest of these or, or what are the best prospects for this fish rather. Sure. So. Any plans to do a, a mountain whitefish or a greenback cutthroat flyathlon in Colorado? Uh, well, I, I, so I think we're always considering where we're going to go next. I think the next race that we're developing in-house is going to be in northern New Mexico. So um, we, we have a, a foundation based out of the San Luis Valley that has given us some money to help stand up a, a race in northern New Mexico. So we're looking at a fall race down down there. That would also benefit the Rio Grande okay. cutthroat trout. Uh, but yeah, it, you know, I love I love whitefish. I think I was out with a, a couple of buddies fishing in Idaho, where where there were a lot of white whitefish, and I want to say it was the Salmon River, but. Um, they're a fun fish to catch and, and, and an underappreciated native. So I, I, I think that's the important thing with our races is that we, we, we want to raise in, interest and money and, and awareness around native fish, not just native trout. Mm-hmm. So I, this past June, I flew out to Arkansas um, to, in, in, to explore developing races in Arkansas where we would go towards a race that was a smallmouth bass race instead and, and other bass. There's like an Ozark bass, which is the coolest fish. It's got these blood red eyes. I, I'd never heard of it, but it's, it's fun to catch. Um, so I think I would definitely love to see races that aren't focused on, on trout in the future. Uh, Cause sport fishing isn't limited to, to trout right. and nor is conservation need. So. Yeah. But there's a lot of people who aren't, who don't even know about whitefish as as a native species because it doesn't it doesn't have the same sexiness as a right. as a trout. I feel like most people who at least are in the fishing space in Colorado know that cutthroats are native and that they you know might be struggling or something. But I feel like a lot of people don't even know what a whitefish is, let alone that it belongs here. So yeah, yeah I, I I think part of the problem is it needs to be rebranded. I went fishing with a, a guide in Montana who called them sparkle trout, which I think there might catch on. <laughs> And just rename them that, and then they'll people will be interested. Yeah. Well, moving on to some of the maybe more fun stuff. Not the conservation's not fun, but it sometimes it, it can at times feel a little bleak compared to the party part of the sure. <laughs> of the flathon. So, um, tell me what's going on with some of the the side events because I feel like in the last year or two there's been a, a big explosion of just kind of like fun things to do in your own time that just keep sure. you thinking about the flyathlon and, you know, keep you ready for it and things like that. So, uh, I know there's a, there's a bunch, there's like the, the trout man series of things. There's the FKF. Um, and I know the NASCARP is something I've seen yep. talk of. So, uh, I'll let you take it away. Sure. Uh, well, so your listeners had a chance to listen to Katie, uh, Mazia talk a couple episodes ago about the, the, trout man um that has been a lot of fun and it's really blown up so for those who didn't listen to that episode there's there's four levels the trout man which is a marathon and four fish the uh old trout with two umlauts don't forget the umlauts uh over the use that's 50 miles and five different fish lucifish is 66.6 miles and six fish 
And then Finsanity is 100 miles and 10 fish, all with elevation requirements and beer requirements and quote. Or replacement. Right. Or, or some equivalent painful <laughs> experience uh, to drinking a, a, a high ABV beer. Like I know Palmer's talked about having to like eat a dozen donuts yes, or something I, yeah, like that. I, I forgot he was on too. Yeah, he ate some gem donuts and <laughs> yeah, it just has to be. Just has to be fun, unpleasant, and, yeah. something unpleasant. <laughs> eh, even though I I like drinking. Sure, yeah, I would argue that the beer is a lot easier to stomach than the donuts. My but. wife has made that point. She's like, it's not fair to ask people to mace themselves when you <laughs> you're drinking a beer that you enjoy. But um, so we're that's really taken off in in interest. I think we had I want to say almost twenty trout man finishers this year, wow. including three. Uh, or trout man finishers, three trout women in 2023, two new ones, one, uh, and Christine, she was, she was a trout woman before. Okay. Um, and then, f- uh, four of us, three new finished old trout in September, including Katie. Which is funny because I think I had talked to her just before that. Right. And I think she had said something like, I don't know if that's in my future. Yeah. And then like three weeks later, she was, she rolled she was like, oh, I did it. And I was like, it. Last, yeah. when I talked to you, you weren't even sure if this was in your future at all, yeah. let alone within a couple of weeks. <laughs> and and I will say, Katie was like my spirit guide on that uh, 50 mile day. I, I was hurting around 30 something. We'd, we'd already caught all five fish species and had, you know, roughly 20 some miles to go. And, uh, I was I was hurting, but she she helped me through. We we ended up going back and forth on a a stretch of relatively level uh, road up above um, Buena Vista to get the final miles in. So we uh, we were done with elevation. We were done with the fish. So we were just running back and forth together on this road. Um, she she's an amazing, as your listeners I'm sure picked up on she's an amazing human and uh, it was it was fun to be out there with her and finish it with her um so then this year we're planning on taking it to the next step there is one individual who's already completed lucifish in in uh, brian powell uh but the rest of us are going to try to get that done in july to set us up for a hundred mile uh the the fin sanity in in september uh whether or not i can completed or not we'll see but uh that's the plan so i think i had asked palmer this and he wasn't quite sure because we were talking about trout man requires four species of salmonids correct at some point 10 species of salmonids no starts to right that doesn't ex- i don't know if that exists yeah. so what at what point does it go from having to be salmonids to you can start to branch out and maybe run around your local pond that has you know five different species of Bass sure. and panfish in it to get some of those species. Well, that you'll you'll notice it, that the progression it goes from trout man, old trout to lucifish. Uh, it's where we generic. start to run out of uh, salmonids. So, and and that said, we've had people reach out and say we don't have four species of trout in West Virginia or whatever. What what can I do? So we're always willing to make exceptions. Uh, it's funny sometimes to get emails from folks who don't know me and they're like. Well, this works, sir, and I'm like, uh, first of all, don't don't ever call me that again. And yeah, let's let's make it work because it's it's all in the it's spirit the of fun. fun. Yeah. But uh, the the finsanity, the ten fish in Colorado, our our plan is to start somewhere near Grand Junction where we can pick up maybe three or four 
warm water species and then run up onto Grand Mesa where you can get seven or eight salmonids and then finish up there in 48 hours. So that's, uh, it's going to be a challenge. There's going to be some running overnight and, but, uh, which I've never done. Um, I'm planning on doing it with Katie. If first of all, she and I both have to finish lucifish first, but because you can't skip, right? You can't skip. You can't a level. skip. I mean, no. I don't know why you 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 would in, technically have done both in the same one if you skipped, right? So you've got to do them separately. Yes, and you can't count uh, one as two different categories. So you know, you it, it's progressive, um, and so I, I yeah, I still need to get the hundred k. Version, see if this body will finish 100k <laughs> before I go 100 miles. But I figure I'm on. I'm starting that descending limb of the the physical bell curve of life, and uh, I need to try it now or or never try it. So uh, my wife is not as enthusiastic, but well, she'll she'll come around. Yeah, she'll come around. <laughs> she'll be real excited for me when I finish it or not. But so that's that's the um, plan for this summer. And I actually think that I, d- I don't know if Katie ended up convincing you to do it or not. Yes. she. I have promised her that I will at least attempt a trout well, man with her this summer, which is funny because the lo- still to this day, the longest I've ever run is the Lake Fork Flathlon. That is the longest run I've ever done in one sitting, which is 10 miles on essentially flat. Um, but she did remind me that you've got enough time that you could power walk it if you really knew where your species were and hit them. So I, I'm thinking, you know, I, I can do that distance. I'm sure it's just a matter of, can I maybe go faster on some of the downhills and make up some of that time? But I think, I think I can do it. And she's, she's, I know you can do it, but I was worried that you might not have a 12% beer. So I brought you one. Oh, wonderful. It is a barrel aged English style barley wine from Westbound and down coming in at 13.9%. But it's only eight ounces, so small Does but mighty. Does it count? Yes, it counts. Is there yes. any? Is there? Is I hereby <laughs> decree that it counts. <laughs> Thank you. I don't know if I've ever held a uh, thirteen plus percent beer. Well, there it is. Now, what happens if somebody brought, you know, a twelve percent beer that they put into a little container like this and took a shot of it? Is that is that just not in the spirit you know, of it? We'd put it in front of the rules committee, okay. which is me, and I, I and would make would... an executive <laughs> decision slash determination. Um, but no, that one counts. I had I had that after the first trout man I did in 2023, and that it's delicious. I'm gonna leave it in here so I see it all the time. Okay, good. While I don't want to go running, and then I look over and I see it staring me in the eyes. Yes, I'm gonna say, man, I can't, I can't fail, <laughs> fail you all. <laughs> the fact that a 14 percent beer will motivate you to get out and run means that I've done my job. So <laughs> it's good. And tell me about uh, FKF. And I don't know if we can hint at the new website. Sure. Oh, okay. sure. Okay. Sure. So uh, FKF is Fastest Known Fish. It's a play on a popular ultra running website called Fastest Known Time, which basically says uh, from this from this parking lot to the top of this mountain, who did it the fastest? That's essentially a FKT boiled down. FKF is the same thing, just add a fish and beer. <laughs> and and so we've got different categories in it, uh, multiple fish, round trip, single fish, uh, one way, you know, various versions of that. And the idea is to, we, we've developed a website, which uh, I think is pretty awesome. You've, you've seen it. It it's was pr- super It's pretty cool. awesome. Yeah. Um, we're trying to figure out the best time to roll it out to the unwashed masses, but... Uh, I think soon, um, 
to, to build a buzz around going out. And so the idea being people can go out and set their own courses. And then once we've got this map on the website built out, then when you're in a, when you're in a place with your fly rod, wanting to go for a run, you can look at the website and see where these FKFs are. And can I go try to beat one just to, just to have it be, have it be fun. And, and, and it, like you said, create challenges outside of the actual events to get people interested in pairing the two. Yeah. It's been super fun. And, and I've done my job of going out and finding routes that then people can really easily beat because my times yeah. are terrible. Oh, yeah. So I'm you just, I'm both. just out there, you know, scouting. I really liked um, the feature on, on the website, which this is coming back to me being really slow. You can see like a history of like who's done the route and in what time. So there's kind of a record of like, how is this route progressed over time? Because, you know, when I've done some, I don't, I don't know what a good time would be. Like, I don't know what if Brian went out and did it, what would he do? So yeah. it'd be cool to see how, you know, if once mar- multiple people start doing the same route, right. how that, how that goes over time. Yeah. it. I, I think it's going to be, it's going to be fun. Um, I've got, maybe five or six out there that, like you said, are totally beatable and sometimes just set them to try to motivate people to, to get out and do them faster. Cause at the, at the end of it, you know, five years from now, I don't want to have the FKF on anything. I want other people to have gone out and tried these, yeah. um, to see the cool places. I, I, I should say, you know, people get, and I, I think I saw on one episode, someone talked about spot burning. And so, so I, again, am the, in in the content dictator on what makes it onto the website. So if I see something that is, you know, either a sensitive fishery that I'm aware of that someone's trying to put put down a course that we're sharing publicly, I can I reserve the right to say no, this is not going on our website. Uh so trying to keep it to those areas that are uh, you know, but, but that's set or recreational populations, but that said, like if someone's got, if someone's willing to run 10 miles back to a lake to set an FKF, I I'm okay with them doing that. Uh, yeah. so it's, but I, you know, we, we do, we are co- conscious of not putting the, the most, you know, sensitive places out there, uh, f- just for anyone to, not that we have a huge traffic coming to our website just yet but maybe someday yeah and i think i I don't want to be like the ethics police and deem like who who is good and who is not but i like to think that most people who are in the flyathon world on on your websites and thinking about this kind of stuff aren't the type of people who are going to go destroy a spot and that doesn't mean i mean the whole internet has access to it so it's not just limited to these people but like you said someone who's willing to run 10 miles back carry a fly rod Probably it's not the person who's dropping a bunch of Bud Light cans in the water and right. killing all the fish before they leave and, and right. leaving the place desolate. So uh, I like to think that people doing that are are going to take care of the resource. Yeah, yeah. And then the other, the other uh, non-race engagement thing that we've got going currently, and then I'll talk about NASCAR. Don't don't let me forget okay. about NASCAR because that's epic. Uh, is um, the fish slapping? Oh right, right. Which essentially is where you catch a fish during another person's or another entity's sanctioned run and you take a picture on their race bib. I used to have a requirement that you send that photo to the race director of that race, but now it's just send it into us. And so th- this past summer we had the most epic fish slap ever in, again, Brian Powell, who uh, fish slapped the Hard Rock 100. So for those... This is a mostly fishing audience, but 
this is a hundred mile race in and around Silverton, Telluride, some of the most difficult terrain to run in. And he stopped three times and caught, I want to say two cutthroat and one brook trout in this hundred mile run. And people, it's fun to do because when you're running with a fly rod in your backpack, people are like, what, what, people the, love he- it. what the hell are you doing? Yo, you've done, you've done I did. two now, right? Um, I did just one. one. I did one, and I swear I talked to half the racers on that course right. because they were all so intrigued by what was going on. Yep, and it's an opportunity to educate people who do these races. They don't always know what you know. They're just running mm-hmm. to to run this race. They don't know that there's cutthroat in the creek right next to them. And I think it's it really is an opportunity to educate and also for people to look at you and think you're crazy. But yeah, that too. Um, it it's a ton of fun. Uh, but then NASCAR, and this is the perfect time to crack beer number two. <laughs> and three and four and five. <laughs> <laughs> so it it is sort of the relay version of the flyathlon. Uh, and we, we piloted it last summer, or, or last April, rather, up at Paco Chupac, which is below Ridgeway Reservoir up near um, Montrose. And... So the premise is is pretty simple. You got to your teams of two, two drivers. You can have other people on your team. You can have someone in your pit stop who is like a just a fisher fisher person who but there's two drivers. And each driver uh has to run 3 laps and a lap consists of running a distance and then coming in, catching a fish safely releasing the fish and then refueling and the distance that they go and the fuel that they refuel with is dependent on the division that they're in. So the lowest division is called the unleaded division. So that's any, any refuel under 5%. So it could be a Tecate light. It could be a, a athletic, non-alcoholic beer. It could be a Red Bull, a Mountain Dew, anything, just not water that's cheating that's too much like actual fuel and then the laps are one mile so uh the next division up is called uh diesel and so that's two mile loops and uh, between a five and eight percent uh beer to refuel and i think that's probably what we'll run with for this first year the third division would be nitro and that's three mile loops and uh uh above eight percent beer so um, so, so it works. The first, first person, uh, the, the first people from each team, team lineup, gun goes off, they go out, they run. In the meantime, the other person is fishing the pond, trying to figure out what's, what's, what's working. Is the runner fishing along the way or is it like no. run it and then you fish? Right. It's like the pit stop. You fish okay. at the pit stop. Okay, gotcha. So you run your mile, you come back in. Your partner's waiting for you, hands you the fly rod. You've got to catch a fish. Uh, he can help you net it. He can't He can't fish for you. Can you move from that spot? Can your pit you can stop move. kind of move around yeah. the lake? Okay, but you've got to then still come back and run the As long as you're not encroaching on another team's pit stop to, to in, okay, in, inhibit to, their fishing, sure. <laughs> which happened in our pilot race. There was some can throwing and among other things. But yeah, so what they come in, they got to... Uh, take the rod, catch a fish, net it, safely release it, refuel, turn it upside down. As soon as that is empty and a bunch of volume doesn't fall out, the next person goes. And then the race is over when the six pack is finished and, uh, 
and and that fast the, the entity or the team that does that the fastest wins and it was so much fun and where was the pilot was it in Staunton uh, the the pilot or the actual first race we're gonna try to hold in June at Staunton State Park okay so that was not that was the first race where was the pilot the pilot was in near Ridgeway so oh that, right right yeah. you mentioned that but this will be close to the front range and we're envisioning teams the the fundraising part of it will come with teams. So think NASCAR, like those jer- those button-down jerseys that have logos of Pennzoil and Skull. Instead, we'll have, you know, fishing-themed logos and beer-themed logos on those same. They make them on the Internet, of course, because the Internet makes everything. Uh, you can get custom NASCAR-style jerseys made. And so that's my vision for, you know, you get the Westbound and Downs. Uh, Laws Whiskey House will be one of my sponsors, in part because my co-driver is the CFO of laws. So that'll be, uh, that'll be on our Jersey prominently featured somewhere. And then we, I I think we'll see how the fundraising goes, but try to get those companies interested in what we're doing and interested in conservation. And because Staunton is in the greenback cutthroat trout native range, any money we raise from uh, the first NASCAR. And that name I should say is subject to, lawsuit uh if they do decide to if nascar decides they want to waste their time suing a small conservation fish fishing race uh it may may change but uh i told i told one of the lawyers that i work with my idea for nascar he's like you're gonna get sued (laughs) (laughs) which i i doubt but we'll see and um so is it on the racers to reach out to try to get sponsors from from companies and is there fundraising minimum like how does that work this is a work in progress okay. so this is this being year one like many of our our events is you know we're, we're figuring it out i i think we, we've got enough uh you know friends and family interested to show up and and give it a run and and we'll figure out the fundraising model as we go here but um it, i'll work on it on fridays between now and june figuring out what the model actually is but um i i think it it has the potential unlike most of our flyathlon races where people are going out and back, there's not a real opportunity for friends and family to watch. I think at Staunton, these ponds are they're pretty small, but there's a lot of area for people to sit around. And if people are coming back in every mile, there's there's opportunity for high drama, high excitement. Hackling. Like, oh, yeah, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I think. Or heckling, I guess. Uh, yeah. But hackling, I like the use of hackle. Yes, given the flaws. I totally meant to say hackling I, and not I heckling. <laughs> I could tell, but it. Uh, I think it's going to be awesome. So we'll we'll be rolling that out. I think June. I got June first and June second reserved. So I'm working with the people at Staunton to to get it dialed in, mostly around when they're going to stock a shit ton of stalker rainbows so that people can catch fish real quickly and it feels more like a race versus just watching paint dry plus it feels like you shouldn't be catching native species during a nascar it feels like it should be a really trashy event and like a a stocked fish that fell out of a truck three minutes before sounds like the right quarry for that type of yeah yeah so the uh not actual carp but you know like a stocked rainbow trout is is fairly close to you know the the equivalent of a a carp um and and then we've got a couple other rules. Like you have to run, like in a running race, you run with a baton. The baton in this race is a can of chew of your of your choice. You don't have to actually chew, and please don't. But just having the chew on your on your person when you're running, 
if you're caught without your can of chew, you can be disqualified. These are these are rules we made up uh, at the pilot event over near <laughs> Ridgeway. Okay. Um, at some point, someone threw in a rule about you know like you can either run a penalty lap or remove a tooth. So you can tell what kind of state we were in <laughs> when we were coming up with these rules, but not all of which might make the the final rule rule sheet, but. Are there any, I'm trying to, I, I don't know enough about NASCAR. I, my husband watches some Formula One. So I know there's like different times where you have to like drive slower if you, you know, fouled somebody or anything. Um, it, it sounds like it'll kind of evolve. So as the races go, you'll probably learn more about like, this is a problem we're facing. People keep doing this thing. So we need yeah. to find a way to penalize them and, yeah. and you can morph that around. Yeah. I, I, I haven't ever watched nascar so this is all just me uh projecting what i think nascar is as a fishing race so i think we 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 learned a couple things in that pilot race but um we'll learn more as as is the case with or has been the case with the flyathlon we'll learn as we go and try to make it more fun flyathlons we change little things about them each year just to try to make them more fun make them you know, make them safer, make them, make them better. So it, it, it's a, it's an evolution. I'm curious and you don't have to give, you can give as much detail as you want. There's a lot of rules in the flyathon that sound kind of specific. Were all those rules made because somebody did something, you know, like, like which ones? Like hide a dead fish in a backpack, things no, like that. No, I, I tried to anticipate a lot of okay. ways that, you know, people might cheat and just include them in the rule book from the, from the get-go, we, we have taken some rules offline because they've been more of a pain in the ass than I anticipated. Okay. Like I did initially say you got to run, you got to start and finish the race with your rod broken down. Yeah, I've noticed that that has kind of evolved over time. Yeah, it's because someone complained about someone else. They, they took it too seriously and they said, oh, well, but this person finished with their rod assembled. They should be disqualified. Oh, and it's like, it's like oh, that's not really the spirit of what we're doing here. So. Well, yeah, there's a, I mean, there's a difference between stashing gear and I yes. just caught my fish 50 feet before the end of the run and I'm just, yes. you know, running into the end. Like there's, I, I feel like the idea is, is it in the spirit of the race or are you, are you too concerned about winning here and it's getting not fun anymore to like right. play with you basically. And those people usually don't stick around the people yeah. that are overly competitive. I'd say it, it and, and that's part, partly by design. We, we have tried to structure the race. So like the middle Creek race, you know, is seven, seven miles uh, round trip. You have six hours to do that. Uh, so that's, that's creating an environment that's not, overly competitive some people finish it much faster than that but others roll in at you know five hours and they still have a chance to win the whole thing because if they have either the biggest or smallest fish they get into the leisure sport olympics and then they can win the whole thing so we've tried to to make it uh accessible in that way to people who don't run you can hike it and be successful the uh, the other thing with fishing, we've got a lot of people who are new to fishing that come to these things, and with the fish whisperers out on the course, you can go visit them, and 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 they'll help you get into a fish or try, uh, without penalty. And so we're we're trying to make both of these things more accessible um, to people, so they're not intimidated by it. Might take it up where before they, they just you don't want to go into a fly shop and feel dumb when you don't know what to ask for. So we're yeah. trying to eliminate some of that. 
I need like a run whisperer. I need someone who can make me <laughs> magically better at running on the course. Yeah, yeah, you and me both. <laughs> I, I, uh, I don't think that exists. I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm going to continue to look for it, but I don't think it exists. <laughs> for the NASCARP, um, it, I, I like the sound of it because it feels like it could come down into the front range too. Like I don't, I don't know, you know, how big this is going to grow or anything, but. Um, if you're not focused necessarily on native fish and it is more about kind of the party aspect, yep. um, you know, I, I could see coming down to like St. Vrain State Park where there's just a bunch of ponds with all kinds of fish in them. Yep. Um, and it's, you're not limited. Like flyathons can only take place in kind of specific locations based on you need a trail, you need to be yep. at least some respectable distance and there needs to be ideally like a native fish available nearby. And and, and that's in part by design the the remoteness of of where we set up flyathlon races is because we do want people to come and unplug for the weekend and both both the colorado races are in places that don't get a cell signal so you you kind of it forces people to engage in a way that seems to be uh dying in in this country and and probably in the world so that that's part of what i what i like about the flyathlon that that and also if you're if you've got a a drinking event which the flyathlon can be if you choose to do it it's not required but um to have people come and stay for the whole weekend makes makes peace of mind for us that much uh, greater so you know at, an event close to the front range like a traditional flyathlon my concern would be people come they race they drink a bunch of beers and then they try to drive home so in the in the uh, NASCAR teams, we're gonna build. You have to have a, an actual DD if you're like show up with a person if that... you're drinking. Yeah. Uh, the unleaded division is also partially to allow people to participate without without drinking. So we're 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 trying to de-emphasize the drinking component of what <laughs> what the flyathlon is because we we want to be inclusive and that that's. Uh, that's something with the with the running, with the fishing, the things we do there. So we're trying to, you know, uh, be more inclusive of people who who don't drink, and that that's great. I'm I'm likely to become one of those at some <laughs> point. Uh, maybe not entirely, but maybe less. Yeah, that's kind of where I've I've been moving. Uh, Mike accidentally grabbed a non-alcoholic beer at the flyathlon and was repulsed by it because he ended up in the cooler that was yeah. all on all non-alcoholic beer, and I was like, oh. I didn't even know this was here, but I'm like kind of interested. Yeah. Um, trying to drink a little less, but I really like the beer aspect of oh, yeah. um, the flyathon. So having, oh, you know, well, just making it a little bit more like it's okay to not drink, but also you still want to have a good time and everything. Yeah, there's there's some great non-alcoholic beer options out there. One of one of our sponsors for the last couple of years has been Athletic, who, they, I mean, and like it's the new, it's the new thing out there is, is there, there's all sorts of non-alcoholic options, craft non-alcoholic options out there and from my my perspective athletic does it the best but it's uh it's a growing category for sure and is there are there any big plans for the 10th anniversary of middle creek um that that falls into the uh tbd okay but it's not out of the question is some unique elements to it yeah like it might not be a a fully standard uh, race well, you don't have to share too much yeah to. i mean i think it's an opportunity from from my perspective the fact that we've been doing doing this for ten years is is crazy, but it's also an opportunity to to go even bigger on the fundraising side of things and you know communicate those expectations because that's that's we're not doing this 
entirely for fun. It's a lot of fun when we do it, but it's also a lot of work to put them on. And so to set that expectation with folks, I think is um, something we'll, we'll do with the 10th. Uh, but yeah, they, I, I think we'll have some unique swag. We've, we've thought about going back to the original logo for the 10th, like a throwback logo. I don't know oh, if you remember fun. the, the old one, it was clip art from, from the internet. So it's got like a silhouette of Usain Bolt and then a fish silhouette and then a beer silhouette. The run, run fish beer. Yes. Yeah. So we may put those on t-shirts again for. To, uh, for for the tenth, maybe just for that race, not okay. for the other one. So you know, some throwback swag, maybe. Um, not not sure otherwise. Uh, but we've got some ideas that we're kicking around to make cool. it to make it epic. It's it's always that that course in particular always makes me nervous because it is such a small stream and it's so subject to to the uh, you know what if it's a real dry year is it going to be super skinny and so. There's not a whole lot we can do in terms of like changing up the course up in there, but um, we'll we'll have some. Well, I feel like every year we dial in the race better. So, if if nothing else, it'll feel uh, different because it'll be more organized. But um, it, yeah, there's there's some things we're thinking about. Cool. Well, uh, to to wrap up, where can people find? running rivers or, you know, any of these, any of these events, I know the FCAF website is going to be up soon, but I don't know if you can find the old ones anywhere or share whatever you'd like to share basically. Yeah. So it's all on, um, runningrivers.org. Uh, and we've, we've got the dates for the races in 2024 up there. I'm working on getting registration and, uh, all that set up that, that usually we do registration in like the March timeframe. So, it's on my list of shit to do between now and March, but but the dates, registration dates, I think are up on the on the okay. website for for March. Um, so that's that's where to find everything. The once we get the FKF site up and running, we'll share that with with our our listserv. But we'll also it'll link to it from the FKF tab on the Running Rivers page. It, it's its unique. It, it's its own unique website, mm-hmm. but it's uh, it'll be linked there for sure. And how about NASCAR? But like when when that finally comes around, can they find that on? Yes, it'll same? be on the same same okay. website. So I, I, that that's on my list to do in the next couple of weeks is to build that website. And apologies in advance to your listeners if they go to my website. I'm a toxicologist, not a web designer, and all of this. I, you know, I'm just winging it. So it it's uh it's a lot of fun though. So. That site in particular, the or the NASCAR page, I intend to be a lot of fun. So yeah, well, I bet you can you can have a lot of fun with that one. And yeah, again, it, it feels like where you can throw all of your trashy ideas into one race, and it feels like it fits. Yes, you know. <laughs> yes, it it it's. I, I'm very much looking looking forward to it. And of course, this whole thing is just a cre- creative outlet that yeah, I, I get to build with my friends, uh, fun stuff, and we're always throwing ideas off of one another and. It really is an outstanding that that's what I've grown to appreciate the most in these 10 years is the community that has developed around it. And I think it's also been important in, you know, kind of broadening what, what a fly fly fisherman is and can be, you know, you see all these, you see all these people in a thousand dollar waiters and you, you really don't, necessarily need all that stuff to to get out and be successful in catching fish and have a great time and so we're trying to change sort of the 
demographic of what what a fly fly fisherman or woman is and so that's been fun to see that evolution to see people actually out running with a fly rod i mean i've seen that on my my runs and i'm like did i create that i don't know but it's exciting to see that, yeah that uh, people are are doing that because there's so many great places that aren't on the big boards at the fly shop that we can spread out that interest too into new places so that's that's um something i've appreciated but the, the community of people is is outstanding and my wife said it just just earlier today to her to her sister she's like that's what it, it's really kind of incredible the the people that are involved with this including yourself but but also like i mean there's just it's a it's a wide cross-section of of runners fishermen people that like beer people that like to party in the woods and everyone seems to enjoy themselves when we're sitting around the campfire without our cell phones working. So that's, that's by design. And, and I'm, I'm glad it seems to be working. I hope there's never a fight at a fly. One, but uh, <laughs> Maybe at the NASCAR. That yeah, feels NASCAR. like there has to, and at the end, and once you finish your six pack, then you have to fight someone. And then... Right. Yeah. You have to get pissed at someone for cutting you off on the trail. And, uh, but that, yeah, it'll be a lot of fun. But. You said it brings together, like, you know, people who like to run, people who like to fish, people who like to drink beer. Everyone I've met usually has, like, one or the other that they kind of participate in both. You know, like, I'm primarily an angler, but I will go out and run. And there's some people there who are runners who are just learning to fish. I like the idea that someone just drinks beer and, like, that is their life's purpose. Yes. But they're like, but I'm going to do this event because, you know, it, it has beer in it. And they've then yeah. now they've picked up, like, trail running and fishing just to feed their beer well, and, and and i i should say i don't want to get sappy or anything but i have had people tell me that these races have motivated them to get off the couch and mm -hmm. do something because it is putting together the two things that they enjoy and drinking beer and fishing those two are the easy ones too. right but but uh i've i've heard stories from folks about this motivated them to get out and th strap some running shoes on and then uh then it it changed their perspective on exercise mm -hmm. and you know as a country i think that's not a bad thing for yeah. people to get more interested in 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 getting out and getting a little bit physical so that's that's been that's been powerful for me too is to hear stories like that there aren't a lot of them or maybe there are a lot of them and people aren't sharing them with me but <laughs> Uh, occasionally I hear stuff like that and I'm like, yeah, that, that's not what I was trying to do with this, <laughs> but that's kind of cool. Well, in, in the context of, you know, it being a good community, when we hit that deer last year, I don't know if I mentioned it on the show, but we totaled our truck last year on about five, five miles away from the flyathlon after like a three hour drive, we hit a deer and totaled the truck and it was, you know, obviously devastating and extremely inconvenient, but I was like, luckily there's like a hundred of the nicest people five miles down the road yeah. all we have to do is get to them yeah and i know we'll be okay you gotta ride home um, you gotta whatever yeah. you need in terms of gear yeah everything was taken care of and i was just like of all the places that we could wreck the truck you know being this close to that many people who all like as soon as we arrived everyone jumped to help and gave us everything we needed i still got to run the race i thought for sure you know when it happened i was like i'm done like we yeah our sole goal at this point is to get us in this vehicle back home and instead I was still able to run. We still enjoyed the, the party that night and got ourselves back with a ride to Denver. Well, and so. you guys weren't even the biggest drama at the at that race. The the following night when kids are off playing oh, the, right. out, you know, a mile away on the landscape <laughs> somewhere. And one of them comes running back and is like, Jimmy's in a well. Like, what do we do? And just to watch the massive humanity 
mobilize and go up that hill to try to help this kid who ended up being fine. Uh, yeah, little... one of the kids said there, he's tw- he fell 20 feet down a like a cave and I was like, right. yikes. And then it, I think it turned out to be that kids don't know how far 20 feet is, but yeah. <laughs> he was doing parkour and fell between two <laughs> rocks and he was, he was banged up and scared and they were all scared, but it was just to watch everyone drop what they were doing and run up that hill to try to help this kid. I was like, this is, this is pretty cool. Yeah. Um, so I had a, uh, I, I grabbed the in reach and an extension cord because we didn't have a rope. And I got the exact same message you heard, which is 20 feet down in a well. <laughs> like, what, what can I grab? So I grabbed an extension cord and the inReach. And, and I was running up the hill. This is something that I was <laughs> worried about in that moment. I'm running up the hill in my running kilt, which I, is part of the Trout Man. You know, you can, when, once you've finished a Trout Man, you're in the right to wear a kilt, even if you're not Scottish. Uh, Do so, women wear kilts or is that just called skirts? Uh, no, they're, they're kilts too. Okay, We've, okay. It's, it's like called runningkilt.com. It's like they're, they're pretty cool. But uh, so I'm I'm running up the hill in a kilt and flip-flops and there's cactus everywhere and rocks and I'm thinking we're going to have to use the unreach to call in search and rescue and they're going to be like, who's in charge here? And they're going to look at me <laughs> and be like, oh my fucking God. <laughs> But uh, fortunately, he was he was good and just had to sit out for a few minutes, and then he was back in partying with the kids again. So, <laughs> well, I got to say that's the only time I've ever been in a Jimmy fell fell down a well situation. I know, and we navigated <laughs> it. Cool. Well, cheers again. Yeah. On that note, we can this wrap is it awesome. up. But thank you for coming, and uh, maybe we'll do another one in another 120 episodes. <laughs> that sounds. Or, or after you've done a. After your trout woman number four. Oh, yeah. Okay. Well, Katie well, Mazzi is waiting for me. So Someone can interview you about your experience. I, I don't want to be that person. You you do it much better than I would. Katie will do Katie it. Katie will do She'll it. Do and it. I can sit in the background <laughs> and be like, yeah. <laughs> Sounds good. Well, thank you again, Andrew. Awesome. We can wrap this up. All right. All right. That's a wrap. Uh, thank you all for listening. If you want to find all the other episodes as well as show notes, you can find those on fishuntamed.com. Um, you'll also find a contact link there if you want to reach out to me. And you can also find me on Instagram at fishuntamed. Uh, if you want to support the show, you can give it a follow on Apple Podcasts or your favorite podcasting app. And if you'd like to leave a review, it would be greatly appreciated. Uh, but otherwise, thank you all again for listening. I'll be back here in two weeks with another episode. Take care, everybody. <laughs>